Ha, ha, ha. You can be seated if you want to. Praise the Lord. Woo, my, 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 my. Praise God. Glory to God. <laughs> well, we're going to start talking about the blood of Jesus tonight. And the simplest definition of faith is to act like you have a covenant with God. A blood covenant with God. The confidence that you know about the blood covenant and you know about the blood of Jesus and you know how to apply that blood. Amen? When are you going to act like you have a covenant with God? Now, I got that quote from my good friend in Minneapolis named Pastor Mac Hammond, good friend of ours for many years, and he was facing some challenges in his ministry and uh, challenges, you know, with all the stuff that was going on. So he was struggling, and he said, the Lord said to him, when are you going to act like you have a covenant with God? So I would just like to ask you tonight, when are you going to act like you have a covenant with the almighty God. The Lord gave Trina this prophetic word many years ago when we were being challenged. And so it's on some of our information. She gave, the Lord gave her this prophetic word. So it goes like this. God is on my side for the blood has been applied. Every need shall be supplied and nothing shall be denied. So I enter into rest. I know I am blessed. I have passed the test, and I will get God's best. Now, what do you call that? That's blood covenant talk. <laughs> Come on, God said, my covenant I will not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my mouth. He said, to a thousand generations. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for the blood covenant. And so your Bible has got blood all over it. Every promise, every scripture has blood on it. And so we want to look at several scriptures on the blood of Jesus. And then we're going to do what my mama used to do. I call it slinging blood everywhere. <laughs> and four kids in our family, I can guarantee you, I wouldn't be alive today if it were not for my mama knowing about the blood of Jesus. She didn't just know about it, but she lift her voice every day in the house. You could hear her, and the blood had many applications. <laughs> she did what we would call, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Plead is simply a legal term. How do you plead? Well, you have a law. You're an advocate named the Holy Spirit, and he says, just listen to me and say what I say. We all know you're guilty, but I'm going to tell you how to win the case. We don't need you to speak up right now. Just do what I'm telling you to do. So how do you plead? The Holy Spirit will say, plead the blood because that's where you get mercy and that's where the power of God works when you plead the blood. So it's just a legal term that means I rest my case 
on the blood of Jesus. I rest my case and I expect to win this case. The Holy Spirit has never lost a case if he can get his client to listen to him. Are y'all still here? And so the Holy Spirit, your advocate, he says, plead the blood. In other words, you may not deserve the blessing of the Lord, but Jesus paid for it. And you can apply the blood and receive mercy and receive God's best blessings. So my mama would sling blood everywhere. She would say, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Then I heard Kenneth e. Hagen or Dad Hagen, and he said he got born again among the Baptists. Thank God for the Baptists. He said, I got saved among the Baptists. Then I came over the spirit-filled people, you know, the Pentecostal or charismatic people. He said, when I got among them, I heard them saying something, and they would say this, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. He said, I didn't really understand what they were saying, but they would say, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. So he said, I just copied them. He said, so I started saying, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. He said, I got such good results from it, I still do it to this day. <laughs> so even if you don't fully understand it, when you're facing a challenge in your mind, in your life, in your family, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. So you make a bold confession about the blood of Jesus and then maybe sing a few songs about the blood and it won't be long that depression and gloom will leave your house. It won't be long till those thoughts will have to leave and fear will have to leave and torment will have to leave. It won't be long till you'll see the devil start running in fear because of the power of the blood of Jesus. So even if you don't fully understand what it means, I encourage you just to learn this. Whenever the enemy's putting pressure on you, you say, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. All right, let's practice that right now. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. Let's try it again. In the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. Or my mama would sling blood everywhere because we had some rough things that happened in our family. You know, preacher's kids, we have trouble because we hang out with deacon's kids. <laughs> and so uh, I ended up in jail and my dad and four deacons had to come get me out of jail. And uh, my mama said, I plead the blood of Jesus. I was in a car accident, totaled out six cars. When I got home, my mama said, Satan has desired to have you to sift you like wheat. That makes you shredded wheat. She said, Satan has desired to have you to sift you like wheat. She said, but he will not have you because I have prayed for you. And when you are changed, God's going to use you. She quoted what Jesus said to Simon Peter. Satan has desired to have you. Some of you in this place tonight, Satan has desired to have you. And you know the battle and the war that's going on. 
But Jesus said, he will not have you because I have prayed for you and you're gonna be changed and when you are changed, the will of God and the plan of God will happen in your life and he will make you a blessing in your generation. So my mama used, I plead the blood. I apply the blood. So many applications when we're going on a trip, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. Every time we take off in our jet airplane, we say, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood. (laughs) Amen. When you're flying at 45,000 feet, 500 miles an hour, you better be slinging blood everywhere. I plead the blood. (laughs) Hallelujah. I plead the blood. We'd go on a trip. Well, then my younger brother, he, was a, he backslid when he was a teenager, played football in high school and college, and backslid and wasn't living right. So I came home from college, and um, um, my mama said, your younger brother's taken to gardening. I said, really? I said, well, what? She said, he's growing tomato plants in the backyard. I said, well, let me go see. I said, mama, that's not tomato plants he's growing in the backyard. He's growing marijuana in the backyard. She said, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood. And today my younger brother is the pastor of my dad's church. Come on now, I'm telling you there's power in the blood of Jesus that no matter what's happening right now, God will turn that thing around by the power of the blood. But somebody has to apply the blood. Amen. (laughs) I actually came home from Bible college. Four years, went to Bible college and met my wife there. But while I was in Bible college, you know, we studied a lot of theology books. So when I came home from Bible college, um, I said, Mama, you know, I'm studying theology, so I'm I'm getting kind of smart. And I said, I'm concerned about your theology because you keep saying, I plead the blood. And I just can't find that anywhere in the New Testament. So I'm concerned about your theology. Uh, My mama said, well, it's working for me. You're going to Bible college and that is a miracle. So if you don't mind, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. I'm gonna keep pleading the blood. (laughs) I plead the blood. When I was in high school, I brought one of my girlfriends home to introduce her to my mom, and she had one of them mini skirts on. You know, I had the big Afro hairdo and brought my girlfriend home. And uh, as soon as I introduced her to my mom, she said, I plead the blood of Jesus. <laughs> True story. I plead the blood. My girlfriend said, what'd your mama say? I said, nothing, don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> plead the blood of Jesus. Well, I was 17, I said, but mama, you know, I want her. My mama said, you may get what you want, but you may not want what you get. (laughs) Y'all thought about that for 40 years. Um, Come on, how many ever got what you want and didn't want what you got? How many believe the blood of Jesus can change your want to? I said, the blood of Jesus can change your want to. She said, I plead the blood. Later on, I brought Trina home from Bible college. My mama said, Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the blood. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many applications of the blood. Amen. So we're going to look at several scriptures on the blood, and then we're going to do, I call it slinging blood everywhere. 
Because in the Old Testament, if you came to worship, the priest would take blood and sprinkle all the people. In other words, if you came to church, came to worship, you're going to get blood on you. So after church, you know, if you go out, somebody say, what's that on you? You say, blood. They say, where you been, church? So how many glad we don't do that today? But they would put blood on all the people, blood on the book, blood on all the instruments of worship. So the sprinkling of blood is the highest act of worship. All right, listen again. The sprinkling of blood, so Peter mentions it in the New Testament, and Paul mentions it in Hebrews, the sprinkling of the blood. All that means is the acknowledgement of the power of the blood of Christ and the application of that blood. All right, let's try that again. The sprinkling of the blood. And the blood reaches, y'all still here? I said the blood reaches, the application of the blood, but now we're talking about the blood of Christ. So we don't do it like they did in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the blood is applied by faith or by your voice. When you lift up your voice and you apply the blood with your voice in faith, that blood has power in three distinct places. Three places that the blood reaches. So we're gonna look at several scriptures and I'll let you write them down. And so look at Romans chapter three, verse 25. And that's where we start off with the phrase, through faith in his blood. And so look at that, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about the subject tonight that, wow, I may get ahead of myself. But it's really good to be ahead of yourself, isn't it? You sure don't want to be behind yourself. All right, so Romans chapter 3, verse 25, because we studied faith under Dad Hagen or Kenneth E. Hagen. Oh, my goodness. And learned about faith from Dad Hagen. And then I came across this phrase in Romans 3, 25, and it says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the patience of God, to declare, I say at this time, God is righteous, that he might be righteous and the justifier of whoever believes in Jesus. Look at verse 20, 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. So he says faith is a spiritual law, and, and faith is how the kingdom of God operates. But here, when you're talking about faith, he specifically talks about faith in the blood of Jesus, our faith in his blood. So it's impossible in the New Testament to live by faith without knowing about the blood of Jesus. If you're planning on living by faith, then you will have to be conscious of the power of the blood, what it has done for you and what it does in heaven and what it does over hell itself. So when he says through faith in his blood, then to live by faith, you have to be blood conscious. Faith requires two things. I'm gonna read this quote from Andrew Murray. Faith requires two things. Number one, it requires accurate knowledge. Accurate knowledge. So I'm gonna read this from Andrew Murray. The funny thing is, probably 15 or 20 years ago, we were in an airport and um, uh, 
looking in a bookstore and Trina comes out with this book called uh, The Power of the Blood of Christ by Andrew Murray. Trina says, well, I think we should buy this book. I said, you cannot be serious. My dad's a pastor, my grandpa's a pastor, my mama, we all know about the blood. I'm not gonna read that book. I already know you're insulting me by telling me to read a book about the blood. So I said, you read it and then tell me what it said. <laughs> so she read the book and then she underlined the favorite parts and she strategically left it by my chair. So I started reading it and I found out how ignorant I actually was. One of the sad things is that you actually think you know something about it. It's getting quiet in here now. I said one of the greatest hindrances to progress or even to further revelation knowledge is to act like you already know something about it. And so that blocked me. So she said, well, let's read the book. She started reading it, pointed out. I started reading it and I thought, Wow, huh, there's stuff that I actually don't know about it. Don't look at anybody right now. I said, there's, there's stuff I really don't know about that. So here's the way Andrew Murray said it, and I love the way he said it. He said, faith is largely dependent upon knowledge. If knowledge of what the blood can or has accomplished is not accurate, then your faith expects little and the more powerful effects of the blood would be limited. Feeble ideas of its power prevent the deeper and more perfect manifestations of its effects. He said, as we find out what the scriptures teach about the blood, we will see that faith in the blood can produce greater results in us than we have yet known, and in the future, a ceaseless blessing may be ours. All right, I'm gonna read that one more time. Do y'all hear that? He said, Faith, in other words, if you're gonna walk by faith, and, and Dad Hagen said, I'd be concerned if my faith was not growing. Well, if your faith is gonna grow, it's gonna have to grow from further light or further revelation or further understanding, which he said here, you could actually get better results. How many like to get some better results? He said you could get better results than you've ever known from this central theme of faith in the blood. So he says, Faith is largely dependent upon what? Knowledge. He said if knowledge of what the blood of Jesus has accomplished is not accurate, then your faith will expect little and the more powerful effects of the blood would be limited. Feeble ideas of its power prevent the deeper and more perfect manifestations of its effects. He said, as we find out what the scriptures teach about the blood, we will see that faith in the blood can produce greater results in us than we have yet known, and in the future, a ceaseless blessing may be ours. All right, so what he's saying is that God can give you further light, further understanding of the power of the blood. And he said, once you see more and further light, then you can have a greater application of the blood and get greater results from it. Because here's kind of the way Andrew Murray said it. He said, to enjoy this blessing, nothing is necessary except faith in the blood of Jesus. His blood alone has done everything. All right, let's say it this way. His blood plus nothing, minus nothing, his blood alone has done what? Everything. 
I, I was uh, w- watching an interview with Billy Graham years ago, and they asked him if he would do anything different. He said, they said, would you do anything different now that you look back upon your life in ministry? He said, I would preach more on the blood and the cross. He said, because that's where the power is. In other words, for us to become blood conscious, we're dealing with a supernatural adversary, the devil. And the blood of Jesus is a phenomenal weapon. I said, it's a phenomenal weapon. It's an amazing weapon against unseen powers and uh, demonic strategies, just the application and the voice of the blood. Matter of fact, singing about the blood and the power of that blood. And most of those hymns were written around the early 1900s when the greatest revival America has ever seen broke loose in America in the early 1900s. America is due another revival. Let's try that. I said, America is due another revival. I said, we are due another revival. Come on, what the Democrats can't do, the Republicans can't can't do, but the church, the body of Christ, we have the answer. In other words, the, the application of the blood, the honoring of the blood of Jesus literally opened up heaven and the glory of God came down to change a nation. I'm declaring now in the most difficult times that America now is on the verge of the greatest revival that we have ever had in the history of our nation. Come on, it will not happen by might or ability or talent. It will happen by the power of the blood of Jesus and the voice of that blood on believers' lips. And when we pray and lift our voice, it opens heaven, pushes back the powers of darkness and the glory of God. Falls like rain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, well, things are getting rough. I'm telling you, well, well, we are ready for that. I said, we are equipped for that. We have a weapon, the blood. And we're slinging blood everywhere. On your lips, come on now, think about it, declare it, get the scriptures out about it, praise the Lord, amen. The blood of Jesus has cleansing power. I like the way um, Smith Wigglesworth said it. As we study the blood, we see there's not one thing in us the blood does not cleanse. All right, we're going to try that one again. As we look at the scriptures, we'll see there's not one thing in us the blood does not cleanse. In other words, there's not one place in you that the enemy can damage or hurt or try to block or try to mess you up that the blood of Jesus cannot reach it. It can reach it. It can cleanse it. It can redeem it. He can restore years. He can restore your soul. He can restore your mind. He can restore your health. No matter what the enemy meant for evil, the blood of Jesus has that power. But once you know about it, I know about the blood. I have faith in the blood. My confidence is in his blood. And I'm slinging his blood everywhere. I apply his blood in the morning and in the evening. That means you have a bold confession about the blood. A bold confession, and there's a bunch of good ones. I said there's a bunch of good ones because Hebrews is full of revelation about the blood, but it's also full about the teaching about your confession of faith. So the blood mixed with your confession of faith. 
cleanses us from all sin, from all unrighteousness. The blood gives us boldness and confidence in heaven. The blood reaches into the heart of the believer and silences the voice of self-condemnation. Or the blood of Jesus, praise the Lord. I said the blood of Jesus not only cleanses from sin, but God has given us a perfect sacrifice and that blood cleanses us from sin consciousness or from guilt or from shame. So the blood removes the stain of sin and actually produces a righteousness consciousness. Let's say it this way. The blood of Jesus carries the antibodies. I said the blood of Jesus carries the antibodies for every part of the human condition. I said every part of the human condition. An antibody is a memory cell. You say, why do they call it a memory cell? Because it remembers. And when that disease shows up again, the antibody says, I whooped you last time and I whoop you again this time. Are y'all still here? The blood of Jesus carries the antibodies or the memory cells of everything he whipped in our behalf. And every time it shows up, you say, I plead the blood of Jesus. And the blood says, I whooped you last time, I'll whoop you again this time. You know, sometimes the most difficult person you deal with, who's one of the presidents said, if I could find the person that's given me the most trouble in my life and kick them repeatedly in the seat of the pants, I would not be able to walk for a week. <laughs> Come on, even the psalmist David looked in the mirror and said, you know, I'm getting tired of your attitude. So, the blood of Jesus has sanctifying power. What is sanctifying power? It works through your spirit, soul, and body. And number one, sanctification means that you're separated from something that used to defeat you. And then number two means you're dedicated to God. And then number three, it means you're not sanctified until you're filled with glory. So the blood cleanses you and empties or gets rid of stuff. Or, or let's say it this way. The blood of Jesus helps you to surrender yourself. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. So in that garden, his blood carries the memory cells. So the blood of Jesus helps you yield or surrender yourself to God even when you don't feel like it. All right, let's say it this way. You plead the blood against yourself. Or you can say it this way, the blood of Jesus. <laughs> Come on, you want to smack somebody in the mouth, you go, I plead the blood of Jesus right now. So, so, so here's the way Andrew Murray said. He said, the blood of Jesus works out in us the same disposition that was in Christ himself. So the blood of Jesus can change your disposition. Or that's the sanctifying power where the blood enables you to surrender yourself to God, not hold anything back, and yield to the will of God for your life. Amen? So some stuff moves out 
Some other stuff moves in. So you say, well, I'm trying to be more dedicated. I plead the blood of Jesus. His blood carries his dedication. So my faith is in his blood that even if I'm struggling with myself, you can plead the blood and say the blood of Jesus has sanctifying power to separate me from what used to dominate me and empty me of my own will and my own selfishness so that I might surrender myself 100% to the will of God. Praise God. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Amen. So look in the mirror sometime and say, I plead the blood of Jesus right now. In other words, all the attitudes and dispositions you're dealing with, you say, by that blood, it cleanses me and sanctifies me and sets me apart for the will of God for my life so that I might surrender myself 100% totally to the will of God. Lord, I surrender all or I yield myself to the Spirit of God. Woo, praise the Lord. I, come on, the way you yield to the Holy Spirit is the way you yield to the will of God for your life. Thank God for the blood. I said, thank God for the blood. All right, so now, woo, praise the Lord. All right, well, let's go to Hebrews chapter nine real quickly. Praise the Lord. What time is it? Y'all doing all right? All right, Hebrews chapter nine, verse 12. We're gonna sling blood everywhere. Hallelujah. All right, now, when you get to heaven, you might want to check out this video, Hebrews 9, 12. You ready? Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, and he obtained eternal redemption for us. When did Jesus do this? Right after he's raised from the dead. First order of business is he said, I've got some business I got to take care of, and he took his blood into heaven's holy place, and he obtained or secured eternal redemption for us. Eternal redemption. He purchased our eternal redemption with his own blood. His blood is there even now in the presence of God, and God lives in constant view of the blood of Christ. So if you're gonna live in victory, you and I must live in the constant consciousness of the blood of Jesus. Wow, praise the Lord. Now, think about, well, go to verse 14 here real quickly here. My, 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 praise the Lord. Woo, y'all all right? All right, excuse me, I'm gonna get happy here. Verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Here he says, the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit. So he shows you something here, that the blood of Jesus and the spirit of God are eternally connected. That means where the blood of Jesus is honored, the spirit of God works. Where the Holy Spirit is working, he will honor the blood of Jesus. I like to say where the blood flows, the Holy Spirit goes are the presence of God. You access the presence of God through faith in the blood of Jesus. He said, and it purges your conscience from dead works. Wow, what does that do? Man, the blood reaches on the inside of you and cleanses your conscience. Go to Hebrews chapter 10 real quickly. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Man, you know, if you study history, there's been all kinds of viruses and junk like that over the years. I mean, uh, the, the Ebola virus broke out and one of the American doctors got it over there trying to help people and people are dying, no, no cure. And what are we gonna do? Well, he got over there, he got it. And so they, they actually took the blood from someone who had overcome the Ebola virus, gave him that blood, and he overcame it. Well, now what if you get the blood of Jesus has already overcome every kind of virus and apply that blood, you say? Praise God. Praise God. Now, you know, some of you know the story about our grandson, Dylan, and Dylan diagnosed with leukemia, I think it was three years ago, and uh, good news, he's doing fine. He actually just played on his first basketball team, and he was beside himself, running around, didn't know exactly what to do, but he was out there because he had had three years of treatments, you know, and so he's running around, just went to school for the first time in three years. He's six years old, seven, turned seven, so... Dylan has a twin, Hadley. When he is diagnosed with leukemia, um, it just, the doctor just said there's no hope. He was only hours from dying, had all these tubes in him. And so they began to treat him and they took all the blood out of him, started giving him blood transfusions and then, then they attacked it, you know, with chemo. And so they did that for about two years. Well, what are we doing in the middle of that? Well, we're having communion a lot. You say, why? Because when we have the blood and the, and the bread and the body, I'll try to get to that in just a second here. Because when we have that, we're saying, devil, it's illegal for you to put this on our grandson and our family because of the blood of Christ. So we're having communion. We're pleading the blood. And so he made it through all the treatments and stuff. But just a few days before, they rang the bell that he, was, he was, uh, had overcome leukemia, was gone. Uh, they said, well, we found some bad cells. So he's going to need a bone marrow transplant. So to get a bone marrow transplant, they had to go to New Orleans and took, took a, almost, what, another year or something in New Orleans. So we spent a lot of time down there, my daughter and her husband. And so during that time, we met the doctor, had to meet with the doctor that's going to do the bone marrow transplant. In this case, would be a, a stem cell transplant. So I met with the doctor. So the doctor talks to us for an hour about the process. Number one, we have to find a donor. Then number two, we're gonna have to kill all the bad cells, totally replace his bone marrow. And so this is gonna take a period of time, very critical time. And uh, so the doctor said, uh, do y'all have any questions? Well, after two hours, I said, ma'am, I said, uh, y'all told us uh, six months ago that he was in remission. And you told us he's in remission, and now you're saying uh, he's going to have to have a bone marrow transplant. What do you mean when you say he's in remission? She said, well, what most people don't know is there's actually two kinds of remission. She's a regular remission, means the cancer's not active, you know, it's not working. She said, but there's another kind of remission, we call it molecular remission. She said, in this case, we're gonna produce molecular remission, and the only way to do that is gonna to have to be a, a, a bone marrow transplant. 
She said molecular remission means when we study his blood, there'll be no evidence he ever had cancer. Not one molecule in his body will show that he ever had it. So we got to find us a donor. So they picked uh, Dylan's uh, older brother as Gavin, and they got Gavin. He's, uh, what, uh, three, three years older than Dylan. So Gavin was not that happy that he got picked. So <laughs> we have to bribe him, you know. So, so with, with Gavin, you're saving your brother's life. So Gavin has to go in the hospital, and for four days, they take all of his um, stem cells, they take, and, and they... Um, they take his blood and put it through uh, one of those dialysis machines, you know, and spin out the stem cells. And they took enough stem cells to last all of Dylan's life. Matter of fact, when he gets to be 21, he can tell them what to do with the stem cells because he won't need them. But they just said, we've got enough to last all of his life. So they got this from, from uh, Gavin. Well, the day came, it's time to, to take Gavin's stem cells and put them into Dylan. So when it came time to do that, he's in the room by himself, just the parents, me and Trent are outside, and they took Gavin's blood, put it at the top of a pole, and you could see those stem cells red, and it kind of looked like a cross in the room. So the doctor said the next six hours are critical because in the next six hours, either he will receive Gavin's stem cells, or he will reject them. So we began to pray. We said, Lord, when those stem cells start going from, from Gavin's blood into Dylan, he'll say, glad to see y'all, come on in. And so six hours went by, everything went perfectly, perfectly normal. But before the process started, the doctor said some unusual things. Number one, the doctor said to uh, Dylan, he's laying in bed, you know, just three or four years old, and the doctor said, Mr. Dillon, we're getting ready to say goodbye to you. Well, we didn't like that too much, but she said, we're getting ready to say goodbye to you. And then the doctor said, because you will never be the same person after this. Then the doctor said, from this time on, from this day forward, you will actually have two birthdays. Your first birthday, and then when this happened, because when you get Gavin's stem cells, it's going to change your DNA. It's going to change it so much that if Gavin got convicted of a crime, you could be convicted of it also. <laughs> so they started the process, and the, and the stem cells started going into Dylan, and uh, and so we're praying. Well, then they said, wow, everything went great. And then they said, but those other stem cells will come in, and then they'll totally take over. So they said, we're going to have to watch him the next few days. A few days later came in. They said, now, now Dylan is 100% Gavin. There's nothing left of what Dylan used to be in his DNA. Now I thought, if medical science can do something like that, I wonder what God had in mind when the blood of Christ, now listen close, because the blood of Jesus, we know that the name Adam would be pronounced Adam. And Adam means the, the name for God, God, and Adam means blood. So Adam means God's blood. Well, 
Jesus, the last Adam, new blood from God, which is the divine blood of the Son of God. So imagine who your donor is. Come on, that no matter what's been going on in your family, it no longer runs in your family. When you become a new creature in Christ, old things pass away, everything has become new. And the blood of Jesus applied in your heart, in your life. Imagine the changes that happen through the power of the blood of Christ. He is the last Adam. And so God said, I'm going to make a new kind of man and I'm going to use my blood, the blood of God, the blood of Christ. That blood, stem cells go into the believer and the two words in Christ are simply a blood covenant term. That now you're joined to Christ and you share the same life and the same identity same identical life, same, identi- same identification that Jesus had, and now that belongs to every believer. How did you get there? Through the blood of Christ. So when you say, I plead the blood, you're saying, me and Jesus, we're heirs, and we're joint heirs together with Christ, and so now, devil, you gotta take your hands off of me because I've got the blood of Jesus on my side, and that blood flows in me. That blood cleanses me. It is the blood of the new creation. It is the blood of the last Adam. It is the blood of a new kind of creature that never existed before. It's the blood of Christ. It is the blood of God. Are y'all still here? Hallelujah. Come on, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. His blood alone has done everything. Woo! Hallelujah. My faith is in his blood. Glory to God. All right, y'all find Hebrews chapter 10? All right, look at that real quickly here. And I'll skip some of this. Are you, are you still with me? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. I'm gonna read kind of fast. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever those who are sanctified. Sanctified by one offering. Verse 15, this is uh, Hebrews 10, 15. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after he had said before, verse 16, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I plead the blood. Verse 18, now where remission of these is. Now, how many of y'all have an amplified Bible and it says this? Instead of forgiveness, in most places the word remission is, which means they say absolute remission. Absolute remission means cancellation of penalty and the removal of guilt. So God has a new kind of remission in the new covenant that is like a molecular remission. That means there ain't one cell left in you 
Not one place left in you where the devil has damaged. When you start applying the blood or pleading the blood, you're saying, whatever the devil meant for evil, every molecule in my body is changed. Every part of my life is changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. I apply his blood. I plead his blood. Woo! Y'all still with me here? This is the covenant. Glory to God. This is the covenant. When are you going to act like you got a covenant? When are you going to act like you got a covenant? This kind of blood covenant commitment between God and us in Christ. And so I was um, sitting around talking to some of our staff and some leaders, and, and I said, some of y'all share a scripture. And one of them said, well, my scripture is Hebrews 13, Whereas Jesus said, um, I will never leave you and never forsake you so you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I said, you know what that is? That's blood covenant talk. All right, let's try that again. In other words, when you're speaking the word, you're conscious of the blood covenant. And when Jesus said, I will never leave you, I will never abandon you without appropriate help, I will never forsake you, never ever, under any circumstance, I will never leave you, and you can boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man should do unto me. What is that? Blood covenant talk. Woo! All right, now, imagine the picture of this covenant when Abraham, at that time Abram, in Genesis 15, and Abram said, God, I believe you, but how do I know you're gonna do what you said? Genesis 15 is phenomenal. You can read it after church. And it says, God made a covenant with Abraham, at that time Abram. And so Abram cut the animal, the blood sacrifices, he cut them all in half, and then it said, a darkness came over Abram, and it said, and a, and a torch, a, a flame, and it said, it was an awesome, fearful moment, awesome, and God came down and walked through the sacrifice and made a covenant with Abram. The covenant means that Abram had a change of identity. He had a change of name, and God said, I guarantee you that everything I told you will happen. And Abraham said, now I know. Now, I went to Bible college four years and I did learn one thing. I can remember this and I paid for it 15 years later. Here's what my professor told me. He said, Abram's name was changed to Abraham and the huh in the middle is the name of God. So what God did is he took Abram, changed his name, and put his name in the middle. What's your name? Abraham. What does that mean? God's in the middle of me right now. I got a covenant with God. If you mess with me, come on, God's gonna fight this for me. So what do you think happened when you got in Christ? Come on, Jesus put himself right in the middle of you. His life in the middle of you, in the, middle of you in the inside of you. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, you know, you're exchanging names and stuff like that. And, you know, I used to think whenever I took communion, you know, I was just happy they had communion. On Sunday, I got a lot of extra crackers, you know, and, and grape juice and stuff after church. I didn't know what they were doing. But imagine Jesus before he went to the cross. And he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. The New Testament in my blood. He said, drink it. In other words, the Old Testament, the blood was applied externally. The New Testament, the blood reaches. You drink it, it reaches on the inside of you. Why? Because the Spirit of God's going to move on the inside of you. Praise the Lord. Can you say hallelujah? All right, I got to finish reading this here. I'm right in the middle of this. And he says, their sins and iniquities, well, I remember no more. We're still Hebrews 10, verse 18. And then he says, where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Let's try that one again. Having, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I tell people when you die and go to heaven, shouldn't be the first time you've been there. Come on, you don't have to wait to die before you get into the holiest and get in the presence of God. Go right on in there. And he says, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. Look at verse 21. Having a high priest over the house of God, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our body washed with pure water. What's that mean? He says, come on in here. He says, with a full assurance of faith. Where did you get full assurance of faith? One, one translation says, the most cheerful confidence that you're receiving from God. In other words, you come in now because of the blood and there is no doubt. Everybody say, no doubt. That means I've got full assurance of faith because I'm blood conscious, I'm blood blessed, I know what the blood has done and I come in and God sees me through that blood. Next thing he says, your body gets washed. Holy water. Verse 23, now hold fast to your profession of faith. All right, go to Colossians chapter one. Praise the Lord. I'm just about finished here, but I'm gonna sling some blood everywhere. Hallelujah. I plead the blood. I said, I plead the blood. I have faith in the blood. I apply the blood. Come on, redeemed by the blood. Hallelujah. Look at Colossians chapter one. Are you ready? Verse 12. Colossians one, verse 12 giving thanks unto the Father who has made us meet or ready or qualified or worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and he hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the, here's the word, remission of sins. Look at verse 15. 
and he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. Everything was created by him and for him. And verse 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. This is your donor here. I said, this is your donor. Verse 18, and he's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Look at verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. Verse 22. Colossians 1.22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. How many of y'all believe he did that? He says, now through the blood of his cross, his plan was to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. What does that mean? He sees you through the blood. I said, he sees you through the blood. You said, well, what are you looking like? He said, you're holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So you see what the blood has done for us, number one, in heaven. Number two, what the blood does in the heart or the conscience of the believer. It gives you such confidence because there's, there's no nagging voice. One translation says, you're no longer haunted by the sense of sin. In other words, the blood in the New Testament has not only forgiven sin, it has molecular remission. So that sin consciousness is totally removed. Thank God for the blood. All right, you want one more? Heaven, now we got your heart. Our, uh, Murray said it this way, the blood of Jesus silences the voice of self-condemnation. In other words, a little nagging voice telling you, you don't quite measure up. You, you need to try harder. What you didn't do, what you should have done, what you could have done. And the blood reaches into your conscience and says, shut up. All right, let's try that again. I know you're not supposed to say that in your family, but I said, come on, because a sense of unworthiness will keep your faith from having the confidence to receive from God. Come on, a sense of, well, you don't measure up. Come on, you're not really qualified for his best blessings. Come on, you should have done this. You could have done that. And the blood reaches into your conscience and says what? Shut up. Come on, all the nagging voices, come on. And the blood has produced a righteousness, consciousness that you stand before God without even a sense of guilt or shame or inferiority. All right, now listen. You honor the blood instead of honoring your sin or your failure. You honor the blood by boldly confessing that it cleanses you from all sin, 
from all unrighteousness and bring sin into molecular remission so that God don't even remember you did anything wrong. Listen, we know God has a good mind. Not sure about other people's, but God has a strong mind. And if God cannot remember, I mean, this would ruin country music. Listen, if God cannot remember, in other words, the memory, everybody say memory. I memory, got these memories. How many had a memory surprise you? Memory. Listen, but the blood of Jesus carries the antibodies to remove that memory. If the blood removes the memory from the mind of God, come on, don't say, well, I'm gonna have to live with that the rest of my life. You will not have to live with that the rest of your life because once the blood is applied, it reaches into your conscience and silences that voice. Woo! Never underestimate the power of the blood of Christ, the last Adam. The blood of the new creation, the firstborn from the dead, the blood of Jesus. I plead that blood. I have faith in that blood. Hallelujah. Go ahead and smile like I like I got a secret weapon. I said, I got a weapon. This weapon is perfectly suited to deal. <laughs> all right. Come on, I like all different kinds of guns. You got all different kinds of ammunition, right? Come on, that's for critters. <laughs> Killed a moose a few years ago. Killed some bears. It's a totally different bullet. Bullet about that big. Trent was saying, I'm gonna pray for you. I said, well, go ahead and pray, but I do have a bullet about that big. <laughs> what God did in Christ, through the blood of Jesus, he has given you a weapon that can win in every battle, in every challenge, in every situation, in your life, in your family. If you know about it, come on. I said, I know about it. And I'm gonna use it. I said, I know about it. And I will use it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right, one more scripture. Revelation 12, 11. Let me give you this one here and then I'll. Now, now what, what, what does the blood say on the inside of you and your conscience when you got all kinds of thoughts? Come on, all kinds of memories. All kinds of wished I woulda, I coulda, I shoulda. And I was trying harder, but I didn't. Uh... Come on, what's the blood say? Shut up! Listen, and nothing in this world can silence that voice 
like the blood of Jesus. All right, let's try that again. I said, nothing in this world. You can try smoking it, snorting it, drinking it, but nothing in this world will silence that voice, but the blood of Jesus will reach on the inside of you and shut that thing down. Woo! Man, I'm free, hallelujah. I'm not just halfway free. I'm not just religious. I'm free on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I'm a new creation in Christ. I got the blood of God and the DNA of God on the inside of me. Come on. You got some bad stuff trying to show up? Do like that doctor did to my little grandson. Mr. Dillon, we're getting ready to say goodbye to you. Some of y'all need to look in the mirror and say, we're getting ready to say goodbye to you. In other words, everything that has harassed and tormented you, you say, by the blood of Jesus, I give the devil no place in my life. I'm washed in the blood. I overcome by the blood. Come on, and you got teenagers tormented, harassed, cutting themselves, thinking about committing suicide. But when you know about the blood of Jesus, you can resist the devil and he will run out of your house. This blood changes your identity and you see yourself different. Come on, you ain't what your mama made you. You're not what your mistakes made you. You are the workmanship of God created in Christ. All right, read Revelation 12, 11. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to finish here. Uh-huh. I plead the blood. What does that mean? What does it mean I plead the blood? I rest my case on his blood. Y'all read Revelation 12, 11? Let's see what we're going to do with this guy here. What's his name? Well, he's the devil. What is he? The accuser. He's the accuser. And it says, and they overcame him. They overcame him. They overcame him by the blood. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. That means you overcome him. This is the victory that overcomes. We overcome him by what? The blood, the blood of the lamb and what? Another translation says the word of their confession. What is your confession? The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin. Come on, what's your confession? The blood of Jesus prevents deception and aborts every attempt of the enemy to deceive me. What is your confession? By his own blood, the Lord Jesus has sanctified me. He takes complete possession of me for God that I might fully yield myself to the spirit of God and the will of God. By his blood, I'm sanctified. I'm God's property. By the blood. Ha ha. Now, here's a prophecy from, from Dad Hagen. I'm going to give you to, this to you last. Prophecy from Dad Hagen. Here's what he said. 
But many have said, oh, I've missed it so. I wish I could forget about the past, the mistakes and faults and failures, even the wrong and the sin that I did. Yea, saith the Lord, do not count as nothing my blood. Do not count as nothing my blood. Remember my blood, the precious blood, the divine blood of the divine Son of God was shed for the remission of sin. And the Lord has declared in Isaiah 43, 25, and 26, I, even I, am he that blots out thy transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. So do not dwell upon the past. Think no longer of that which is past. And when the enemy shall bring a picture of it before your mind, just laugh and say, ha ha, that does not exist, Mr. Devil. That does not exist because the Father has blotted it all out and the blood has washed it all away and now I stand in him. And the enemy may persist, but the more he persists, the more you laugh. Laugh right in his face, and he will run away and hide. And you in the power of God and his love and mercy shall abide. Huh, Dad Hagen. I thought, that's a pretty good prophecy. (laughs) Then on the bottom I put, laughter is one way to resist the devil. All right, you say, (laughs) here's the way Dad Hagen said it. He said something to show up, and he'll say, ha ha, Mr. Devil. You know you can't do that. All right, let's try that one more time. Come on. Come on, some kind of thought, some, some, some sort of pain come in your body. You go, ah, I wonder what that is. You go, ha ha, Mr. Devil, you know you can't put that on me. I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus, and I overcome you by the blood. Ha ha. So if the devil brings a picture to your mind of your past or your failures or your sin. This is not Dad Hagen talking. This is the Holy Ghost talking. The Holy Ghost said, say, ha, ha. All right, let's try that again. Even if it was Dad Hagen, you should pay attention. But this prophesying, this is the Holy Ghost talking. When's the last time you did that? Come on, thoughts show up, memory, a picture show up of your failure, and you go, ha, ha. Mr. Devil, you know you can't do that. So then he said, And if the thoughts persist, keep laughing in his face and in the power of God and his love and mercies you shall abide. All right, let's try that. You say, ha ha. Mr. Devil, you know you can't do that. Come on, a pain shows up and you go, Ha-ha, Mr. Devil, you know you can't do that. Come on, don't go, I wonder what it is. Let me Google that. It's in my lower back right now. I wonder what it came. Most people know more about their disease than about their redemption. You need to know more about the blood than you know about your disease. Come on, in your mind. Thoughts come to your mind. All you have to do is watch the news long enough and you'll immediately be depressed. Come on. Thoughts come to your mind. When they come to your mind, what do you say? Ah, Mr. Devil, you know you can't do that. 
You don't have to do it out loud in the grocery store and stuff like that, but maybe two years ago, ha ha, Mr. Devil, you know you can't do that. The blood of Jesus has washed it all away. When you take communion, he said, you do show the Lord's death until he comes again. We looked up the word show and it's the word promulgate. Promulgate. I was preaching in Mexico and I said that word shows promulgate and my interpreter said, oh yeah, we use that word uh, here on when a, a man and a woman are pronounced husband and wife. We promulgate. He said the word promulgate means to set a law or decree into motion by an official proclamation. So when you take communion, and when we did this with Dylan, any situation, me and Trina together, we take communion, we say now, we set a law into motion by official proclamation. We do show, you say, who are you showing? Everybody that's watching. Every devil, every demon, every strategy, come on, every angel, we would like to show on earth that we are now in union with Christ. We drink his blood, we take his body, huh? And we do show. You say, what are you doing? Setting a law or decree into motion. What are you doing? Well, here's what we did with Dylan and then recently with some other situations. We said, Mr. Devil, we take communion here. We want to show you something. It is illegal for you to put that on our grandson. Because we are in union with Christ by his blood. Now, devil, you have to take your hands off of our family. We got the blood on the doorpost of the house. God said, when I see the blood, I got you covered. It's not enough to believe in the blood. Somebody's got to apply the blood on the doorpost of the house. You said, what are the applications? Well, they came out with what? Joy. I see some of you could use some of that. They came out with joy. Come on, it says they came out with joy. What else? They came out with silver and gold. What else? There was not one sick one among a million of them. All of them got healed. What else? And he gave them the land of the heathen. The moment you apply the blood, you can plan on joy in your heart and in your life. What else? Your health springs forth speedily. What else? The money will come, my job and the blessing. Actually, he calls the cup in communion the cup of blessing. He calls it the cup of blessing. Every time you take communion, you say, I'm going to drink the blessing cup. Come on. Dad Hagen used to walk around in some of his meetings, and the Holy Ghost start moving, and he'd just walk around and wave his hand at you, and he'd say, be blessed. Well, if you're a knothead, you don't know what he's doing. But if you understand spiritual things, you're like, hit me, man. Just hit me. Slap me. He hit me in the head. Just hit me one more time. Every time he'd say, be blessed, and I'd go home, something new would break out in my family, in my life. Bless him. So I got to where I'd sit up front where he could hit me in the head. 
He hit me in the head probably a hundred times. Finally, I got to St. Louis meeting, and he said, I'm going to lay hands on you and place some of my honor upon you, and you will carry the glory. I'm carrying. I call it possession with intent to distribute. In other words, I didn't get this enough for myself. Come on, I'm carrying. In other words, come on, you're carrying here. You, you got more than enough than just for your personal use. We got enough to change our whole nation. Come on, I'm slinging blood over this whole generation and outpouring of the Holy Ghost to come in America. I believe it'll sweep across the young people in America from the West Coast to the East Coast and revive a breakout and young people, come on, and the old people alike, but I believe it'll start in the young people and a fire that's so hot, come on, will come upon young people, change their life, and new evangelists will come up out of the young people. What's happening? I plead the blood. I, I apply the blood. Come on. God's turning our generation around. I will not be silent about it. I lift my voice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on. I'm blood blessed. Blood blessed. Blood blessed. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Lift your voice and start praising God. Thank you, Father. Pour out your spirit, O Lord. Woo, the glory of God. The fire of God. Hallelujah, the blood. We apply the blood of Jesus. His blood alone has done everything. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Come on now, laugh at the devil. Say, you can't do that, devil. You know, you know you can't do that in my life. You know you can't do that. I got a blood covenant with the almighty God. Woo! Glory! I live in his presence. Come on, I carry his glory. I got his DNA. <laughs> Ha uh-huh. ha. Lift your hands up again. Father God, thank you. Fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. We overcome Satan, the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb and the word, the voice of our confession, our testimony. We lift our voice. That blood opens heaven. That blood reaches into our heart. Oh, and that blood overcomes hell and every strategy of Satan. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus brings us into the realm of the glory of God. In our Father God. Thank you, Father God. In Christ, in Him, new creatures in Christ. All things have passed away. Everything has become new. Oh, the blood. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, God himself is working in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight.